Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. My guest today and I worked together in Club Ed Cancun during the 2004-2005 Dream Team season with Hendel. His first season, however, was in Club Med Sandpiper as a water ski geo in July of 2004. He has a BA in business management and a minor in French. And after Club Med, he earned a master's degree in hospitality and tourism management. So not only did he never tell me he had a minor in French when we worked together, he also never told me that he studied abroad for a semester in 2002 in the south of France. He met his wife while working for Club Med and they now have two kids. In his spare time and for fun, he likes to trail and ultra run. Let me say that again. He likes to ultra run for fun. Okay. And he just taught his nine-year-old daughter how to barefoot ski this summer. Actually, no skis and barefoot. <laughs> so just barefoot. Who is this guy and why do I want to be him? I am talking about the one, the only, the guy with the best soap opera sounding name there ever was from Chicago, now living in Austin, Texas. The one, the only, Parker Burke. Hey, Parker, how are you? Hey, Greg. Thanks so All much. Right. All right. All right. Good intro, huh? That was fantastic. I'm getting, better. I'm getting better at these things now that I'm going yeah. to rehearsal. Okay. <laughs> so how? So thanks again for taking the time out of your day to do this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. You were always one of the guys like seemed to me in a perennial good mood, you know, in, in Clembed when I met you that season in Cancun, you know, you always seemed happy and always in a great mood. Is that, yeah. a, is that a fair description? I try. Yeah. I try to stay, stay positive. And, you know, I, I feel like in club med, you're, you know, you're uh, always saying hello to guests and trying to keep a smile on your face. So it's um, kind of contagious and it kind of almost yeah. forces you to be, to be in yeah. a good mood. I even time. was doing that when I stopped after 10 years, I was saying hello to people on the sidewalk in Montreal right. going, stop it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> They're the same thing. My wife and I would be like walking around the streets of Chicago and, you know, just random people would be like, you know, be like, hello. Hello, people like, <laughs> why, right? why are you talking? Yeah, so maybe there's some happy countries where that's normal, but in, in the big cities, they're like, well, why'd that guy say hi to me? Hmm, what's he want? You know? Yeah, it's so yeah. weird, huh? <laughs> exactly. Well, we said you were from uh, originally from Chicago in your intro. So if you can take me back in time, you know, before Club Ed, I guess you were going to uh, school or maybe you went to Club Med as a, when you were younger. Uh, you know, what were you doing and how'd you find out about Club Med? Yeah, good question. So, I what, I graduated from college in 2004. I was trying to figure out what to do after that. And I wanted to get into travel, hospitality, tourism. And, and my mom had visited a club med. I think it was Paradise Island a couple of years ago or you know, before that. And she's like, hey, maybe you know, check out Club Med. So I'd never been. My mom, you know, had went had went once, my younger brother. And so did some research and applied online. Oh, really? Uh, is that simple? It was, well, I mean, that was, that was the start of it. That was where things started. And uh, um, where did you, but, did you get yeah. a, an interview shortly thereafter? Yeah. So, well, the cool thing was, is that, as you mentioned in my intro, I was a French minor and I got an interview scheduled or an audition, right? I went to school in Pennsylvania and the closest audition was in New Jersey. So can, friend can, and I, I, can I back you up just a sec, Parker? Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you, you know, since I'm from Montreal, like, why did you want a minor in French? Where did that come from? <laughs> Good question. So I, let's see. So I think it was my sophomore year, my second year of college, I was taking French because there was a language requirement and I took French in 
grade school growing up. So instead of totally switching to something like Spanish, I stuck with, you know, what I learned in grade school and in high school and through college. I was taking French and my French instructor, our professor asked the class if anyone was interested in studying abroad. Um, and I'm thinking to myself like, oh, you know, everybody in France speaks English. This will be easy. I don't really have to be too good at French to, you know, to make this work. So I raised my hand and, and down the road I went. And so the next year I was studying abroad in the South of France and I was in the South, not in, you know, somewhere like Paris. So um, not a lot of people spoke English, uh, much to my surprise. And so that was, that was a little challenging. I was writing home to my parents saying, this is, this was a mistake. I got to get out of here, but you know, they encouraged me to stick with it. And I just learned as much as I could, as quickly as I could, and um, started to get the hang of it. So by the time I got back to the U.S. after that semester, I felt like I had, you know, put put some time in and invested my time and effort to learning French. And I had taken some classes abroad as well that just made sense to continue with. So once I got back to Gettysburg College, I had, you know, fulfilled a good part of the, the minor requirements and so I just continued with it. Okay. Now for our French listeners, why don't you tell them where in the south of France you were studying? Yeah. I studied in Aix-en-Provence. Is it beautiful there? Is it what? Beautiful there? It was, it was gorgeous. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, you know, it was a, it was a university town. So there are plenty of um, students my age and a lot to do. Uh, there are a lot of fountains everywhere. Oh, really? Okay. Um, but every weekend it was, it was really cool. Every weekend we went to a different country you know, one time it was went to Munich for Oktoberfest. We went up to Ireland fall break. We went over to Barcelona, to Italy, to Amsterdam. So every weekend it was a different adventure, which was really, really cool. So I, I had a blast. Nice. Okay. So let's get back to your interview. Where, where was your interview held? Yeah. So the interview was in New Jersey at a hotel. So not too far from um, where I was going to school. And a friend and I went up there and, you know, uh, I learned that it was a French company. So I told my French instructor, my French professor that I had this interview and she got really excited. And so we started, you know, she helped me prepare for it, but a friend and I went up there and, you know, the, the idea is to sing a song, tell a joke, do yeah. something. Did so you do something like that? I did. I did. So, <laughs> okay, let's hear it. <laughs> so I did, I did. Anybody that worked with me in Club Med will, will know what I'm talking about by uh, the elephant. But so I did. I did the elephant at my uh, my audition, and it's wait, nothing, wait, wait, nothing. Wait a minute, this is a bit hazy. Are you are you saying you're imitating an elephant? I, I yeah, exactly. Okay. So all right, got it. It's coming back. Made a big, big, loud elephant noise with my with my mouth, <laughs> stuck my belly out, and kind of danced around, making really loud, obnoxious noises and. Everyone in the room, their jaws just dropped. Like, like, <laughs> they, th they thought this guy's got, this no, guy? no, he's like, got no chance, right? <laughs> <laughs> either I either I totally bombed that <laughs> that, that audition or uh, or I totally crushed it. So. Okay. Well, you took a huge swing there and looked like uh, you connected, right? Big I mean, swing, yeah. The friend, uh -huh. the friend that I traveled up to the audition with from from college, like told a joke or something. So, you know, maybe I should have stayed in that line, but 
you know, I was the one that got the jobs. So oh, the, oh, the friend, the friend who told the safe joke didn't get in. Didn't didn't get it. No. Oh, okay. All right. Now, how long <laughs> after the interview do you like? Do they t- contact you and tell you you're going to Sandpiper? Yeah. So um, I think it was about two weeks after I got a call, or maybe it was a letter saying that because I applied for a water ski geo job. Question: How yeah. old were you when you started water skiing? I was ten. When Ten. I started water skiing. Okay, yeah. wow. Pretty cool. Learned learned a barefoot when I was like 12. Oh, really? Um, okay. So your so your daughter did it before you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I told her. Give her give her some confidence. Yeah. Wow. All right. And uh so yeah, not off not often do geos get their first request, but it looks like you did. You wanted water ski well, geo. Well, actually, I no, I didn't. So no? Okay. Um the, they, I got a call and they said, Hey, we've got this great position for you. It's a land sports geo in in Punta Cana and you know if you want to you want to do water ski you can kind of hold out until a position opens up and maybe I didn't know enough about club med so I wasn't like you know willing to just take any job to get in the door so I politely declined it and said I'm going to wait until a water ski job opens up and a week after that a spot had opened up in Sandpiper and I got a call for it and yeah, there's always right. someone getting hurt or uh, or leaving, right? So yeah, uh, yeah, especially in water ski. All right. And now, did you know anything about sandpiper? I didn't know anything. Nope. Were you nope. like? Did you have dreams of where you had just been in school, like Italy and <laughs> Switzerland, and then they thought sandpiper, Florida, or were you just were you cool with that? Yeah, I just went into it with an open mind. You know, I'd spent some time in Florida, like on vacations and things, but I'd never been to that area, and you know, just went into it with an open mind and excited to do something totally different than a lot of my friends who had just graduated college too. And were you wondering where the beach was when you arrived? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I was a little bit, I was expecting to see more beach at the, yeah. at the club. Yeah. I was there for, I was there for water skiing and, and knew that water skiing on the ocean wasn't, wasn't the best. So do you, do you remember arriving that like that week, that day, like I do. reception? Uh, what I, was that like? I do. Yeah. It was actually, I knew that I had, you know, come to a special place or, you know, great place. Because when I, I got in, I got in really late at night, nothing was going on. Everything was closed, but there was somebody in, in, in reception, the front desk and came in, you know, after a full day of traveling, really tired. And, and I was like, Hey, I'm a new geo. I'm Parker. And I don't remember her name. I wish I did, but she got like so excited and she like jumped up. She's like, Whoa, this is awesome. Like, welcome. And I'm like, Oh man. What a what a welcome! This is this is really cool. I wasn't expecting. Did they think you were a GM? No, no, okay. they just yeah. I was like, I was shocked that you know somebody could pull it together and be that excited at whatever time of night it was. So <laughs> that was that that kind of stuck out in my mind and still does. That was joining joining a special special team. So what was that what was that first week like? Where you're running around with your head cut off? A uh, culture shock? Uh, what you have going yeah, on? Yeah, it was. It was uh, definitely a culture shock. I remember the next morning, my chief of service, Jeff Davidson, came and met me. And he's like, all right, we're going to go out to the pool. We're going to do do some crazy signs. And right. So when my mom told me about Club Med, she didn't mention any of these, you know, <laughs> any of this, this yeah. stuff. Right. So I, I didn't really know what I was getting into from that perspective. And I think Jeff was leading the, the crazy sign that morning. And now wait, no, wait, Parker. Sorry. It was, yeah. was Jeff, uh, Jeff, the chief of sports. Is that what you're saying? Chief of, like chief of beach, yeah. Okay. Chief, chief okay. Water sports, maybe. 
Now, did you break out this elephant thing at the crazy signs at the pool? <laughs> well, so, so it's actually pretty funny. So one of the first nights, Kevin Bat, who was the chief of village at the time, um, met me and, you know, was introducing myself at the sandbar, the bar inside Sandpiper. And um, he asked me what I did for my audition. I think, you know, maybe it was just like a normal question. You ask, you know, other other new oh. hires and oh no you told kevin bat what you did yeah i was okay. like i did i did what i what i call the elephant and he's like well, what do you, and he's like what is it like a joke or i'm like no i get like a, it's like a thing i do i can show you right now so i showed him and he pretty much his jaw dropped as well he's like oh my gosh this is this is this is insane so what he did was when they introduced all the new GOs to, to the team, I think it was either later that night or the, the next night, we all stood up in the, in the uh, I forgot what it's called, the auditorium where, where they do all the shows and everyone stood up in front, all GO meeting, um, and everybody introduced themselves. And after I introduced myself, Kevin interjected and said, all right, Parker, why don't you uh, share with everybody how you uh, got the job in your audition? So I stood up and did the, did the elephant in front of whatever it was, you know, 120, 150 people. And so there I am, you know, doing the elephant. And that's, that's kind of how it stuck with me. So um, before I know it, you know, several seasons later, um, you know, people are chanting for me to do the elephant at a drop of a hat to, uh, you know, stir up the party, I guess. So, <laughs> okay. So you had no idea that was going to stick with you no idea it was going to stick but thanks okay. to kevin uh, everybody <laughs> knew about it and uh it uh it stuck with me okay <laughs> yeah it's kind of like uh when ellen degeneres started dancing on her daytime talk show she was just doing it once but then everyone liked it and then she was caught she was caught in a dancing hell for 10 years you know because <laughs> everyone wanted to see it except the person doing it okay <laughs> right but i loved it it was fun do you still do it no i okay. try to teach my okay. Try to teach my kids to to do it though. I feel like it's um, yeah, it's it's not something that everybody can do. But uh, I figure maybe my kid my kids could or, do it. Or because if it's because if your dad's doing it, it's not cool. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Did an elephant training session one day. <laughs> Come on, Dad, barf. <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Exactly. So uh, what the heck? Uh, so you're doing your job, okay? You're uh, now, do you call describe that a, a lake or a pond that you're water skiing on at Sandpiper? I can't remember. What is that? Or is it a body of water? Um, yeah, it was a, it was a river. It was, a river. Um, okay. It's a river. Yeah. And uh, anything funny happen in your first couple of weeks uh, piloting a boat or water ski show? Anything? Nothing terribly funny. It was definitely a, a, a change, though, right? Like going from, you know, doing crazy signs. Um, like I said, that first day I was like, this is, you know, I stood off to the side kind of like, yeah, way too cool for, for whatever these, these people are doing. Like, I'm never going to get into this. This is lame kind of, but sooner or later I was, you know, maybe by the end of that season or the next season, I'm the guy, you know, up on stage, uh, leading the crazy signs. So it definitely got into my blood and, and really, really got into the crazy side. So. So you were there from about July 2004 to October 2004. And yeah. uh, I think you had a bit of a hurricane there, maybe? Hurricane yeah, Francis? Yes. Yeah. Hurricane Francis. So Hurricane Francis, it was after only like three or four months, totally leveled the, the ski dock at Sandpiper. So effectively got, got um, laid off or, you know, sent home for about a month. 
and then and then a ski uh, position opened up so in jealous. Cancun. Okay, so I was sent to Cancun after that. So jealous, you know what I hear. Geos get sent home for a hurricane. I just get a little jealous and irked because <laughs> I was never allowed to go home. Okay. I, you know, hurricanes were, I, I feel like part of my, my uh, experience and, and really, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of bad things that happened from, from hurricanes, but there was some good that happened for me as well. And, you know, for one, there was, you know, hurricane, so hurricane Francis sent me to, to Cancun, but also hurricane Wilma removed me from Cancun and sent me back to Sandpiper where um, eventually I met my wife and you could say if it wasn't for Hurricane Wilma you know I wouldn't have ended up in Sandpiper and wouldn't have met my wife so there's you know there is some good that happens as well. All right now before we move on from Sandpiper to Cancun where we met am I uh, do you have anything any other stories you want to share from Sandpiper? Did I miss anything because uh, we have a lot of talk about a Cancun but just wanted to make sure. I mean, you know, there's there's not a ton because I was only there for three or four months. So, all right. So I meet you. So you're part of a. Uh, so I guess since you had already done three months at Sandpiper, I I didn't know when I you know accepted Cancun. I didn't know I was walking into kind of what everyone says the dream team or you know heavy hitters, whatever you want to call it. Did you get a sense of that from Sandpiper? Did you know what you were walking into when you met you know Red and Freddie and it was definitely a different caliber of geo. I'll just say that um, once I got into Cancun, a lot more, a lot more tenure, a lot more experience, and it just felt it felt like an you know an elevated geo experience for sure. You know, and people before you know when I said I was going to go into Cancun, people were like, oh man, there's a great team there. You know, chief of village is Hendel, he's awesome, and you know, I kind of thought people were just trying to build it up for me, but yeah, it was definitely true. It was an elevated experience and it was quite different than the first few months in Sandpiper. Yeah. Cause we also had downtown Cancun, right? Now, yeah. Uh, yeah. were you a uh, daddy-o's or were you a Coco Bongo guy? What was your favorite hunt? <laughs> yeah. I think daddy-o was, was my, uh, my go-to and yeah, it was great. Cause we would, you know, bring guests there and get in free. And so they all knew our names by the end of the season and, we had a bit of a hurricane at that first, the first couple of months there too, right? I mean, it wasn't that huge, but I remember a little cleanup from that. You were there for that, right? Yep. Yeah. I don't remember which one. Maybe it was like. It was, it was early. Yeah, it was early on. I mean, some water got in the theater and, you know, it wasn't, you know, I've, I've been through bad ones, but this one wasn't so, so bad, you know, Nothing, yeah. we all stayed, nothing closed. Yeah. Yeah. And, I do remember uh, that. Yeah. So no, it was, um. Cancun was, yeah, I mean, speaking of daddy right there, it also led to a lot of late nights. So yeah. um, we'll just say I had, I had some more, I had more challenges getting up early in, in Cancun. Okay. My job, it was a little <laughs> bit more challenging than, than Sandpiper. And because of that, so Red was my chief of water ski. And there were a few mornings where I was, I was late. And, and then there was another, and so a few mornings, it was like, you know, just really tough to get up. Another teammate had to come in and get me up. And anyway, so, um, I was kind of already on thin ice with, with red. And I, I think it was like, you know, shortly thereafter all my, you know, late arrivals, I lost the gas cap of, uh, to one of the boats, to one of the ski boats, which was oh, a, a oh, huge no. issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, you know, we were gassing it up. So we took the cap and put it on the back of the back of the boat. And once we were done gassing, 
you know, put the gas thing away and um, just forgot to put the cap back on and drove away with the boat. And, you know, and then we never saw the gas cap again. So, you know, being in Mexico with these boats, you know, the boats are, you know, U.S. manufactured boats and really difficult to get parts down there. So I thought at that point, Red was just going to say, all right, this guy's, this guy's not working out. He's got to go. And I thought I was, thought I was going to be gone <laughs> that day. And I know, I know it was on Red's mind and he was, he was contemplating it as well. So I'm really thankful that didn't happen. Cause like I said, I, you know, one thing led to another and ended up, you know, staying at the, the staying at Clement for a lot longer and ended up meeting my wife. And if I was let go because that gas cap, my life would, I think, be a lot different than it is today. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. They, ever, they ever find that gas cap? <laughs> I, no, okay. definitely, definitely not. Well, let me ask you a question about water ski now and, and your time at Sandpiper in Cancun. Do you recall like, you know, because I teach windsurfing and, you know, some people just don't get it. So was there a GM that comes to mind where they just could not get up on, on two skis? Like was just and that you were like, oh, God, you know, not again. You know, did it ever happen? Um, no, I mean, we did. A, I think our team, we did a really good job of getting people up. It was it was actually a really rewarding experience. I I helped you know blind people get up on skis, deaf people get up on skis, and it was really really rewarding. There was one woman that she um, she was really physically disabled, but she you know came down to the water ski dock in a wheelchair, and her family said you know she used to be really athletic, and she's had this this thing going on, and but she really 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 wants to get up on water skis. So we did we did like everything we possibly could. One of us was in the water with her. You know, one of us was driving the boat, giving instruction, and our team managed to get this woman up on skis. And, you know, we got pictures with her afterwards. And apparently, you know, those pictures were, were up on, you know, their, their refrigerator at home afterwards. And because it was just such a, you know, such a great experience for, for that guest. So I wouldn't say that there was anybody that we couldn't get up on skis. And uh, that was probably the most, most rewarding one. And the, this blind person where you, I guess you were using the bar and you were next to her. Is that how you did it? Yep, exactly. Yep. We just gave, gave a lot of instruction, just, you know, over communicated uh, verbally. The advantage I see of being blind in water skiing is when you fall, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't see Albert, the crocodile. So what, <laughs> so let me ask you this. What did you see or think the first time you're like, huh, there's an alligator crocodile? Like, what did you think when, yeah, you, saw I mean, when, you, when you saw him? No, it's terrifying. Yeah, it is. It is right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, back behind the, um, you know, there was that island in the middle of the the lagoon there where we do the water ski shows. And yeah, one one day, Freddie Birmingham and I are practicing for the show, and you know, so we kind of put in at the back there, and you know, start up going down what we called Alligator Alley, <laughs> so we can kind of pull around in front of the in front of the pool. But just when Freddie jumped in the water, or so before we got there. Albert was out sunbathing on one of the stoops right outside of the, the hotel. And just as Freddie jumps in the water, we look over at Albert and he just jumped in the water like seconds after that. And so he, he's like, you know, we knew that there was never anything that happened, but the, if the alligator jumps or the crocodile jumps in the water at the same time you do, that's yeah. terrifying, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not a coincidence, right? <laughs> so Freddie's like, Parker, go. Go, go, go. <laughs> so get, we get Freddie up on skis and get him out of there as quickly as, as possible. But um, yeah, that was definitely unnerving. You know, you can't see through the water. You don't know what's under there. And so you just try to kind of look around and 
hope that you see an alligator or a crocodile out of water. Yeah, he used to hang out under the, you know, where the pool, like underneath the pool, kind of where yep. um, he used to, you know, so they'd, we'd drop off for the pyramid and he'd be right. I once saw him chomping on a turtle, like, oh God, come, where's the boat? Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what exactly. was your favorite, um, did, you, did you have a favorite uh, trick or passage in the water ski show that you like to do? Yeah, you know, I, I learned a lot when I was in Cancun. So I arrived to Cancun. I only knew really how to do a what we call a you know a step off. So you start on one ski and then step off with one foot and then and then drop that one ski. So you end up barefooting. Uh, speaking of, uh, I know I mentioned barefoot in the uh, in your intro and that you're teaching your daughter. But I think uh, I you told me in your pre-interview that while you were at Sandpiper, you met someone named Mike Seipel. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. So it was one day there was there was a, a boat show that Sandpiper was hosting. And so a lot of um, a lot of pros came in, and somebody by the name of Mike Seipel came in, and he is actually a world famous barefooter. And I kind of spotted him, and we uh, I sat down and had one of the meals with him, and just started chatting chatting it up. And and you know I mentioned that all I could do at the time, as far as you know, barefooting, was doing a step off where you know you start on one ski and then you step off with one foot and then you end up dropping that ski and in, into a barefoot but i wanted to learn how to do a deep water starting starting without skis and so after meeting mike uh, the next day i think you guys got together and agreed to meet uh in the morning i guess before uh, your activity opened yep exactly so we met first thing in the morning and um spent about an hour out on the water and by the end of it he had me you know doing deep water starts and i was doing a couple different tricks on the water as well so um, and then he ended up selling me one of his, uh, his barefoot suits as well. So, oh, really? Yeah. So that was really cool. One meeting him, but also learning, learning that quickly from a pro like him. How thick is the, uh, I assume this is like a shorty, right? Wetsuit. So how thick is a, a barefoot? Uh, I'm guessing this is because if you fall, it hurts, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it has pretty substantial padding on your butt and yeah. you're in the back of your legs. And then also your back, because when you start deep water, you're riding on the water on your butt for a while until until you're going fast enough to stand up. So it's it's pretty significant back there, um, and it's buoyant too, right? So you don't need a don't need a life jacket on top of that. The only reason I never wanted to try barefoot, you know, I love to ski, was that uh, I don't know if this goes through your head or you just automatically don't think about it. I'm always afraid of hitting that piece of wood you don't see to the last second oh. or something floating in the water. Does this ever go? Is ever run across your mind? When you're doing this. <laughs> It's run across my mind and it's also run, run across my foot as well. It's definitely happened to me. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Barefooting here in Austin, it happened to me and it totally caught me by surprise. I hit a pretty significant log, cut my foot, bruised me up pretty good. So but it's, did, but it didn't it's, break your foot. Thank God. Right? No, it didn't okay. break my foot, but it was, uh, it didn't, didn't feel good. It felt like it shattered my foot at the time, but there was yeah, no, I, nothing. I can imagine. Yeah. Cause so how, <laughs> Does the uh, boat have to pull you faster when you're uh, barefoot as opposed to on skis? Yeah. Especially yeah. deep water? Yes. Yep. So you do have to go. I mean, it's, they say you take your weight, divide by 10 and add 20, but that's, that's probably the minimum speed. Um, I like to go about 40, you know, anywhere from 42 to 44 miles per hour. Um, just to, just to be a little bit more comfortable back there. But yeah. So, you know, going into Cancun, you know, I knew, I knew how to do some deep water starts and do a tumble turn, but 
you know, we had the barefoot show every week where I really had to push myself to learn new tricks. So when I first got to Cancun, there was someone doing what we call the restaurant jump. Yes. Second floor, right? What's that? The second floor of the restaurant overlooking the lagoon. Exactly. Uh, Did you do that? Well, at first I was like, there's not, there's no chance that I'm going to do this. I'm I'm not good with heights. um, And I have no interest in doing this, but you know, as I, well, the person that was doing the restaurant jump ended up leaving the club. So, you know, because you always did it by, by by two, right? I believe I used to see two people doing it, right? Yep. Yep. I did it once with Freddie Birmingham at the That's same right. time we did the restaurant jump. So that was, you know, you jump, you're jumping out of the window and you hear people, you know, spectators like screaming, like, oh my gosh, they're jumping out of the window. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. It was, uh, you really had to have a really good boat driver because the water wasn't deep there. It was only about eight feet deep. So if you went straight down, you're going to, you're going to hit the bottom hard. So you had yep. to have the boat driver. Or, or Albert. Yeah. Yeah. Or Albert. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> kind of had to get scooped up. But so I learned that trick. Also learned something called the two ski jump out where you start on two skis, you get going really fast, and then you, you just jump out of those skis and land barefooting. That was, that was a really tough trick to learn. I fell really hard a lot of times, but that was a really cool trick. I'm guessing you go, you fall forward more than back when you're learning that trick, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hit my head pretty hard a couple of times. Ouch. Um, yeah. But it was, it was, it was a really cool trick. I was proud of that. And the restaurant jump. Restaurant. What was jump. the name? What was the name of the one? I used to love this one. I forget what it's called, um, where you have two skiers and then all of a sudden one goes on the out, one goes on the end and the boat driver just, you know, swerves it. What was that one called? And yeah, that was called the big eight. Oh yeah, the big A. Did you ever do that one? I did that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did I, that I love that a bunch one. of times. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was a really good trick. Did you ever do that with Joe? Joe Pilo? I, I did it with Joe. Yeah. <laughs> one time. I think it was like one of us got, I think it was Joe. We did the we did the uh the big eight together. And like I think it was it might have been my fault, but Joe ended up like not making it back around and ended up getting dropped like right in front of Albert, the crocodile. Yeah. Um, so, so I think she blames me for that. She's, till she's fine. She's fine. <laughs> Give her a follow on Instagram guys. She's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So that was a fun trick. Yep. All right. So what else did you like about uh, Cancun? You know, like uh, any, any funny, interesting stories? Did you, did you have a good time there? I imagine. Yes. I had a blast there. Yeah. 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 It's a real, think- real good season. It was a really good season. You know, I had I made friends there that are still friends to this day. Uh, James Martin, who I worked yes. with there. He was uh, he was in my wedding, um, so somebody that I've stayed stayed in touch with and still good friends with to this day. We've gone on vacations together. Um, you went on vacation with James Martin. I did, yeah. And you lived it, and you lived to tell about it. Whoa! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you, James. He knows that. <laughs> yeah, we went on. Uh, we went to the Bahamas. Went to Eleuthera, actually. Oh, wow. In the Bahamas um, a couple of years ago and, and rented a house together. Our families met up and rented a house and it was a really good time. So anyway, yeah, I mean, you know, met met people that I stay in touch with to this day, like you. Yes. And, uh, and several <laughs> others. Cancun, you go back to Sandpiper. Now, was that by choice or they needed you there? Yeah, they needed me there. I didn't really have a choice, but I, I wanted to stick with water skiing. And so we were all kind of cooped up and in, uh, in Chichen Itza, as we were kind of waiting out the, the hurricane 
and got a note that we that I was going to be going back to Sandpiper. So I was glad that it worked out. It was for a water ski geo spot, and yeah, glad okay. that it worked out. And you did a full six months there, right? I did. Who yep. was your Who was your um, chief of village there? Sorry, chief of village was David Meyer. Okay. Yep. And actually, I did a year there when I went back. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. Cool. And now you have something interesting. I see you were in Extapa. Now, next in Extapa in 2006, you were chief of beach. Now, I, Parker, I recall, uh, never came down to sailing, or did he? Uh, or where did you learn how to sail to be chief of beach? <laughs> I learned on the job. So, okay. Um, yeah. As I, my, my um, second season at Sandpiper, water skiing was closed. So they said, Parker, you're going to, you're going to be a sailing geo next season. So ah. um, to that, that second season in Sandpiper, I kind of learned to sail on the job. James, James Martin was the chief of beach at that time. And so he, um, he and I went out. Occasionally. Okay. So you were in good, you were in good hands then. Okay. Good hands. Yep. Yep. And then, so after I left Sandpiper, you know, the, the position in Extapa was chief of beach. So I was able to, you know, take my limited knowledge of, of, of sailing and take it to Sandpiper. So how fast, yeah, sorry, did you, take, it, take it to, take it to Extapa. Extapa. How fast could you teach someone to sail? Five minutes, 10 minutes? Yeah, pretty, pretty quick. Those, those Hobie cats are pretty simple. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Five to 10 minutes, especially there wasn't a ton of wind in Extapa, so you couldn't really get in too much trouble. But um, okay, good because I was going to ask you if you had a uh, like trick questions for the guests who insisted they were expert sailors yet had never sailed in their life. So I was going to ask you <laughs> if you if you had the three trick if you use the three trick questions. But if you're telling me there was no wind, you could couldn't even capsize, right? Is what that's how yeah. it sounds like how you're describing it. Okay. Well, it's you know it's usually it's usually the person that says that they're that they're an expert that you end up having to to tow back. Yeah. Uh, or, or they're, or what happened in Cancun, they capsized under the dock. Never saw that one before, but yeah, <laughs> literally got off the beach immediately capsized as soon as he left the sand and then the boat went under the dock. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. From an expert. Okay. <laughs> well, let's go back to Sandpiper a sec, because I think you, you mentioned you met your future wife in Sandpiper. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. GM, right? Uh, Oh, she was sorry. a mini club geo. Oh, sorry, she was a she was a geo, mini club geo. Yep, she was a okay. mini club geo, and met her. I think it like it was backstage one night. We were practicing for the pirate show or getting ready for the pirate show, and um, introduced myself to her. And she kind of like shrugged me off. She's like, "Oh, hey, nice to meet you." And then like continue what she was doing. And then she shrugged you um, off because you were the elephant guy or what? Why, why did she, why did <laughs> well, she that, shrug you yeah. off with extreme prejudice? What happened? Yeah. That, that, that second tour in, in Sandpiper, um, there was a whole new crew there. Nobody really knew about the elephant, um, except, okay. for those, except for the people that came with me from, from Cancun. So I guess I, uh, had some, uh, you know, some, uh, some elephant demonstrations to do. Who came with you? Who came with you from Cancun? Do you remember? Oh, if not, it's okay. I was just curious. Yeah, there were there was probably about 10, 15 of us. That, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, That's there was pretty, a good, uh, good pretty crew big that, yeah. that came. Yeah. So so she rebuffs you, okay, with, with extreme, extreme prejudice. I don't know if I'm I'm just adding that because it sounds funny, but uh <laughs> how did you uh you know break the ice? I mean, uh, I assume you didn't do the elephant, so uh 
she found out you were charming and kind and always smiling. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. But I kept, uh, I think I was just really persistent and, you know, kept, kept up with it. And, but later, you know, later I let her know that, you know, I didn't, didn't, uh, didn't want anything <laughs> want anything serious which is oh really boy. funny because that, okay. you know i ended up ended up marrying her so um, <laughs> uh parker you never stood a chance did you y- yeah yeah okay. exactly that <laughs> did she go with you to to extapa is the mini club she, she did yeah oh, okay so oh, okay she and, I, she and i so when she was at sandpiper so that second season in sandpiper she went from mini club to uh fitness geo so oh okay um, so she she learned fitness and then went to Xtapa as a fitness geo as well. Okay, nice. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh, can we veer veer from Club Med because I, um, I mentioned in your intro that you know I, I I run the odd marathon and I mentioned that you run 50k. So you're like you have a day where you know what I'm going to run a marathon and then run eight kilometers longer than that. So <laughs> what what possesses someone in their right mind? Okay, and this is a compliment. Like wh- I, I'm I'm happy when the race is over, but why would you ever want to do like you know trail running? I could see, but why would you want to run 50k? Is I guess is what I'm trying to ask you. Yeah, that's a good question. It's definitely, you know, not for everybody, but for me, I'd never done any trail running. When I moved from Chicago to Austin about eight years ago, I started running in the woods or hiking, you know, and then I started running in the woods after that. And somebody suggested I sign up for a trail race, uh, trail race. It was a 10 K so I signed up for it and did, did pretty well. Finished, I think like, you know, fifth place overall. And, but as I, you know, was looking around, there were other races going on, you know, there was a, there was a half marathon, there was a, you know, a 50 K and I'm like, what? Like, I didn't even know that this was a thing right at that point. So I learned about the 50 K I learned about like, you know, anything over a marathon, which is 26.2 miles, anything over a marathon is technically an ultra marathon. So I'm like, all right, well, that's, that seems, you know, it fits. That's like on brand for me. You know, I don't want to, uh, just regular water ski. I want to barefoot water ski. I don't want to, I don't want to trail run. I, I want to ultra ultra run. So I was like, whatever that is, I want to figure out how to do that. So, cause I knew that I was like, you know, decent at it and, um, just needed to figure out how to, how to go longer. So started running with a group here in Austin and, you know, so 50 K is really the entry point for, ultra marathons. And, you know, there's a, there's an entire community of ultra runners out there that really just thrive on the the hundred mile races. I haven't, I haven't done that yet, but I think it probably will be in my future at some point, but I, you know, I really like getting out running in the woods for just hours, you know, hours at a time and just kind of getting lost. It's, it's almost meditative for me. Um, And if you can, you know, do that and, you know, feel good about it and, uh, and actually, you know, do well with it. Why not try to push yourself? And what I found was that our bodies are are capable of more than we think they are. And that's, that's, I think that's, you know, that's just true. That's, you find that with ultra running is that our bodies are meant to do hard things. We can do hard things. Of course, you need to train and you need to have the right mindset. And um, there's a lot of things that need to, you know, all happen at the same time, but we're built for these things and we can do that. And you also became a shoe ambassador along the way. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a, you know, 
pair of shoes or a shoe brand really that I kind of gravitated towards called Topo Athletic. And so I, uh, I applied to be an ambassador and I'm like, Hey man, these, you know, my, my application was like, Hey, these, these, these shoes totally changed my, changed my running career and got me into ultra running and, you know, kept me happy and healthy. And so I started, uh, started working with Topo Athletic, not with them anymore, but they, it was like the, uh, you know, the entry, entry point for me into ultra running. So well, grateful, well, you're, grateful you're for in, them. And you're, I said, you're, you're in, uh, you live in Texas now, right? I do. I'm in Austin. Yep. So what's the, what's the heat like over there when you're, when you're doing your training? The heat is legit in, okay. in, in the summer. It's, it's really challenging. So you try and go but, really early, I guess, or no? I mean, yeah, you could definitely need to go early, but it's, it's still hot. You learn to deal with the heat in the summer and you know, once the fall or winter comes around, you're, you know, you're doing really well. Your, your body is adapted and you're running faster, your heart rate's lower. Um, so it's, you know, as the pluses and minuses, it's, it's challenging to train in the summer in Austin, but, um, you can, you can, you know, get a lot of benefits from it as well. Okay. I have a, one question about hospitality and tourism because you earned a master's degree yep. for that. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but, but also you had told me, or you wrote to me that your maternal grandfather owned and ran a famous and historic hotel in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So yeah. how long ago are we talking? Like what, what was the name of the hotel? Yeah. The name of the hotel is the Fister Hotel. It's a uh, historic um, luxury hotel in Milwaukee. And so, yeah, so I got in- involved with Club Med and after Club Med, I, I, went and got a master's degree. I worked for, for Hilton. So, you know, there's always been this kind of gravitational pull towards hospitality and tourism for me. And I, I think it's really because, you know, I say that hospitality is in my blood. My grandfather kind of grew up, you know, grew up in the hotel in the Fister and then later became the GM and an owner of the, the hotel as well. So I'd like to say it's in my, in my blood. I'll say. <laughs> Can we go back to Club Med for a sec? Absolutely. So, uh, I went, we mentioned some names, so I was wondering if you'd like to take the time now. Like, if I ask you, were there any employees or managers you enjoyed uh, working with, uh, made a good impression on you? What would you say? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mentioned Red earlier. I'm, I'm definitely grateful for Red because, um, like I said, my life life would have been a lot different if he had fired me for that gas cap. But um, you know, when I first started there, Adam Macy was my head of ski in Sandpiper, he really took me under his wing. I'm sure there was a moment where he was like, is this guy going to, is this guy going to last here? Is kind of guy going to work out? He, uh, he really helped me out and kind of mentored me a little bit. Christy Toth, she was my, I think they called him integration geos, right? Cause there's this massive culture, you know, and culture shift when you. Oh, that's started. right. Yes, she was. So uh, she kind of, well, yeah, well, she showed me around. What yeah. I loved about her is uh, ask her where she's from. She'd say Strong Island, not Long Island. Strong Island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great girl. Yep, yep exactly. Um, I mentioned mentioned James Martin. Yes. Um, and then MC Nuck, Levi. Nuck. Levi, yeah, Levi, yes. Levi 501. So he and I stayed in touch quite a bit. And um, he actually was at my wedding as well. And he, uh, you know, for, you know, weddings, you kind of plan who's doing the speeches and things like that. Levi just kind of int- um interrupts the the uh, MC and he's like, yeah, I want to, I want to say something on the, oh, no. you know, I want to say something about Parker too. This is at the wedding. Nobody planned <laughs> Okay. Right. So, and I'm like, you know, and the MC asked me, he's like, is this okay? I'm like, yeah, sure. What's the worst that could happen? 
Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I've seen a, I've seen a lot of those movies where yep. <laughs> those speeches go wrong. So it, it went well, I guess. Yeah. No, we're, I'm just kind of uh, holding my breath. But it was a really okay. really nice <laughs> nice speech, and um, it was it was awesome. So anyway, yeah. All all was good. Okay. <laughs> Anyone else come to mind? Yeah, there's so many, so many people, you know, Boone is somebody that I keep in touch with today as well, but I don't think he and I actually um, worked in the same village at the same time, but also folks like JP DeLay uh, and JK Cryer worked, uh, worked really closely with those folks. And, you know, there's something in Austin, I'm, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but there's something in Austin that I, uh, I, I joined this thing called the Austin Barefoot Ski Club when I first moved to Austin and they do this. They do this race. It's called the Dam to Dam race. It's a 20, 23 mile barefoot endurance race. What? From, yeah, from one dam to the other dam. 23, 23 miles barefoot? Yeah. And you uh, do a team. You do a team of. Oh, okay. Uh, Not one guy. Minimum, doing it. okay. yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a relay. You do a team okay. of minimum of four people and you got to really nail the transitions like, you know, from one skier to the next, it's like 10 to 15 Whoa, seconds. What's, what's this on average? What's how long does that take? 23 miles dam to dam. Yeah. So, you know, if you do the, you know, the quick, you know, monkey math, that there's about 23 mm-hmm. miles, um, the boats are going, you know, upper, upper forties. Some boats can even go like low fifties and you got to do the transitions. The transitions take about 10 to 15 seconds. So some, some boats are, some teams are are going, they're doing it in like, you know, 30, 35 minutes, something like that. Maybe oh, really? Less. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Teams, I would have thought an, an hour. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably more, more realistic is an hour, but some of the teams are going a lot faster. Um, but anyway, I was trying to get a, you know, a, a club med uh, team together for the dam to dam and you know so kept in touch with folks like jp and boone and, and jk we're trying to you oh, know nice. get a get a team together for the next dam to dam so if any if any uh any of you guys are listening or anybody else that wants wants to do it let me know yes yeah are, are you still in contact with jk yeah a little bit yeah, yeah tell, tell him to reach out to me trying to get him on forever <laughs> yeah yeah thanks I'm sure he'd love it yeah. And um, what are, uh, let me ask you the, you've had time to think about it. So what are, what are the three things you miss the most about Club Med? Yeah. You know, I think I mentioned earlier that I, you know, we met people all over the world. I think that was so cool. You know, it pushed me out of, I think, you know, when you kind of walk up to a table and ask people if you can sit there, you know, and join them and talk to them, people you'd never, you know, never met before, or, you know, somebody that's hanging out in the, you know, the bar, you just kind of go up and strike up a conversation about, you know, who knows what, I think that was really cool. It, you know, pushed pushed us all or a lot of us outside of our comfort zone. But for me, it it kind of developed my my sales career. I'm in sales right now. I've been in sales for about 15 years, and I credit a lot of those skills to just you know just being a GO and, and talking to people, getting getting information out of people. And I, I I really really value that. But also, you know, doing the shows as well. I love doing the shows. I love doing the crazy signs. I miss the I miss barefoot shows. That was that was pretty cool. I mean, we had we had boats to use, unlimited gasoline to use, you know, everything, you know, free equipment to push ourselves and learn learn, learn new tricks and improve. Um, that was pretty cool because you know gas isn't cheap these days, and I don't have a boat, so um, it's uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that was a luxury to have all that. 
Yeah. It's nice just to go skiing or sailing at the drop of a dime, right? You don't have to, yep. the yep. boat's already ready and you just go. Yeah. I miss that too. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'd say, I'd say the people, people, one, you know, the, the guests that, that we met, um, but also the, the geos that I worked with, um, like I said, stay in touch with a lot of them and really value that. So, you know, miss the people for sure. All right. Before I let you go, am I forgetting to ask you anything? Is there something you wanted to say? Someone you wanted to mention? Anything like that? Now is the time, sir. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, another thing too that that you know, trail running is kind of led me to is, is um, over the last couple of years, I really realized this isn't a pitch for, this is a pitch for trail running, but it's uh, once I started spending more time out in nature, I just started to feel a lot better. Um, and that's something that, you know, it really, really goes a long way when, you know, all of us have, you know, stressful jobs and families. And I found that just getting outside in nature, walking in the woods was, uh, really, you know, therapeutic meditative for me. So I've been obsessing over the last couple of years about figuring out how to help, you know, help do this for more people at scale, because I, I knew that it wasn't just me, <laughs> it wasn't just me that, that could benefit from being being outside. So I started working with this company called NatureQuant that tracks the quality and also the quantity of time that you spend out in nature. So I've always been kind of an outdoor outdoor person. So it's um you know it's also just a really good reminder to, to stay outside because or you know spend as much time as I can outside because there's all sorts of science and data that shows that people that do spend more time outside live happier and healthier lives. And so I guess it's a pitch for for you know, helping us all spend more time outside. Well, you know, it's funny because you worked with Joe Pilon and, you know, all I see on her Instagram is that girl's always outside. So I think yeah. you two are definitely on to something. Uh, yeah. And I definitely need to do more of that uh, working downtown Montreal. So, yeah. uh, no, no, definitely right, sir. Yep. Well said. Um, let's see. Anything else? Yeah. I, uh I, mean, I know yeah, we covered a lot, say, but yeah. I don't want to, I don't want you to forget anything or if you wanted to you know, mention someone, I just wanted to make sure we got it all. <laughs> yeah. I think we, I think we got it all. Yeah. It was really good. I appreciate well, no, appreciate I wanna, the opportunity. No, I want to thank you for uh, taking the time to share your story with us, Parker. This was awesome. For sure. For sure. It's been a blast. Really appreciate the conversation, bringing up a lot of these old memories too. Got a smile on my face for sure. Oh, good, because I have a big one on mine. And uh, everyone, that was the man, the myth, the legend, Parker Burke. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Say bye, Parker. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks again.